G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson. Welcome to today's 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. Remember, you can hear 2020 weekdays from 10am Australian Eastern Standard Time. Today is World Mental Health Day. And what is a Christian approach to caring for those who are currently dealing with mental health issues and have found themselves living on the streets? The Reverend Graham Long is the CEO of the Wayside Chapel, which has been showing unconditional Christian love to those on the streets of Sydney from their King's Cross base for just under 50 years. And he's our guest on the phone today. The Wayside Chapel has been working in King's Cross since 1964. Graham Long is the CEO of the Wayside Chapel in Sydney. He's joining us now. Hello, Graham. Welcome to 2020. Thank you very much. It's good to talk to you. Graham, the Wayside Chapel's been doing wonderful work there in King's Cross uh, since 1964. We're talking almost 50 years. Uh, and, and mental health issues have been right there in the forefront of the way that you've been responding. We often say that... Um Homelessness and addiction and mental illness are really three sides of the same issue. Uh, it, you, you can talk about them separately, but really, they've, in reality, they're very entangled. So the entanglement really comes down to people who are suffering addictions are often going to be faced with homelessness. Uh, that homelessness and the addictions often results in mental illness, or does sometimes the mental illness come first? It's more entangled than that. You know, a, a mental illness can put you on the street, and if that's what happens, it's a matter of time before there's an addiction. It can be an addiction that puts you on the street, and it's a matter of time before you have a mental illness, along with a whole bunch of other medical issues. There's a direct relationship between medical issues and the standard of housing or lack of. So it's a complex it's a complex thing we're talking about. And the problem's not going away anywhere, Graham. It's going to be there and it has to be uh, not even controlled, but you have to meet it head on uh, with a certain mm. level of compassion. Mm, indeed. I, I, look, it's getting worse. I don't think anybody would dispute that. Um, and uh, psychiatry... Uh, has a growing uh, set of volumes of books that they're using in order to identify all the new syndromes. And uh, I would think it's fair to say, and I'm a fairly simple man, (laughs) I would say ever since we stopped hanging over the fence and talking to our neighbour, this whole issue of mental illness has got worse and there's no sign of it being eased up in any way. Uh, every indication is that it's we're living in a more lonely world and a lot of what we do to fix uh, issues actually makes it worse. Uh, you, you can walk in and receive a pill or get some program or whatever it is and you walk out and you're more alone than when you walked in. So it's a very difficult, very complicated kind of discussion we're having. 
So, Graham, is this your observation uh, or is there a lot of evidence that says this lack of community, this lack of ability to uh, look over the fence and talk to your neighbour and uh, have that sense of loneliness allayed, uh, is is there a sense in which uh, this is one big contributing factor to the whole problem of mental illness? Um, there's plenty of evidence to show that the there's an increase in almost every way, um, most especially of depression and that kind of thing. Um, what the cause of that is is really open for debate. And um, my strong hunch is having spent 10 years on the front line, uh, that the causes are complicated and there's a cultural move that's larger than any set of single factors. There's a cultural move towards us being in a more lonely world, which is very funny because we're all on our mobile phones and we say we're connected. But the truth is what you do on Facebook is, is not much like communication. It's, it's much more like self-promotion. It's, it isn't like a discussion at all. Um, and, and, you know, especially young people are, are concerned with a sort of a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week self-promotion exercise. And, you know, that isn't very much like communication. So it, 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 and, it's, and it renders you more lonely. So, you know, I think most of the indicators, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy for this to be disputed, I, I must be wrong at some stage in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but not today. <laughs> Just not today. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I feel quite certain that there's a, there's a cultural shift in this way and all that we do to try and overcome it, um, there's lots of good things that are on offer and uh, we do a lot at Wayside, but in the end we're trying to, we're trying to overcome something that's um, like a massive tsunami. Well, Graham, it is a given that the issues that surround mental illness uh, with homelessness, the addictions, the uh, medical issues that people are facing, those things are there. Let's talk about how, as a Christian organisation, you respond. Because uh, when I think of uh, the words unconditional love, those are words that come from a Christian heart. And it seems to me that you guys there at the Wayside Chapel have got a grip on how unconditional love looks in a practical sense. Yes, we certainly try and practice it um, more than preach it in a way, because it's not about words. You know, it's easy to say unconditional love. It's a lot harder to treat somebody with respect who's cranky and sullen and ready to bite you. Um, so we do lots of practical things. We you know, we have a garden up on our roof. We teach people how to grow plants and we keep bees on our roof and we have worm farms and we do all that and we teach people to cook with it. And But everything that we do is an invitation into community because damaged people live in a world of stuff and their primary concern is how do I get more stuff? And they don't see you. They just see you as a source of stuff. And they walk in here and they think, how can I get more stuff out of you? And, and look, it's, this isn't just mentally ill or poor people. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about your next meal or your next million. The outlook on life that says, I need more stuff, is, is an indicator of damage. It's an indicator of mental ill health. And, um, you know, you can be successful but quite unwell. Um, so uh, that's why I say at Wayside, we don't run an ICU. 
you know, we, we don't want you to sit down so we can meet all your needs. We're running an ICU. You get it? I see you as in, I see you as a person with yep. value, a person yep. who is created in the image of God. That's right. See, you can, you, we could give you all the stuff in the world, but there's nothing transformative in that. But if you receive a gift that is transformative, but you'll never see a gift till you see a giver. And that's why we say we're trying to run an ICU. Can, can you see here that? that there's someone right here in front of you. We are together. And, and look, it's a miracle when, when somebody moves from that world of stuff and becomes able to receive a gift, they will transform. They will do it under their own steam. They'll say to themselves, wow, how can I help? And that's, that's what happens. And then, then they're on their way out of, out of this lonely world of stuff and into a world of community. Graham, stay with us because I'd like to pursue this further. There's something of a process that you've begun to talk about of how people uh, come from a place of loneliness and where it's all about me and the accumulation of stuff uh, to actually getting over some of those things into a sense of community that brings a a sense where your feet are on the ground. We'll come back and talk some more very shortly. Graham Long is the CEO of Wayside Chapel in Sydney. You're listening to the 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. We continue today's focus on World Mental Health Day with a Christian mission organisation that's been on the coalface of dealing with homelessness and mental health issues for just under 50 years. We often hear about our governments and how they deal with the issues surrounding Australia's mental health But it's also important to hear about this issue from a Christian perspective. Graham, uh, in our last segment, we started talking about a process by which people, when they come to the door, they start a a new journey, which hopefully leads to some level of recovery. Is that the way that it works? Is it a process? Uh, Yes, it is. Although it's it's also a matter of having eyes to see, is today the day that there will be a miracle? Because you can't, there's no magic cure. There's no, you know, seven steps to recovery. There's just looking and seeing, is this the day where someone gets sick of being sick? Is this the day where somebody actually uh, wakes up and moves? And and to spot that day and, and not let that moment pass by, it, it's it's more looking for that moment than it is to implement a process, like as if we know what we're doing. Because we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're humble enough to admit that. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I guess in a lot of government funded, government run institutions, the idea of meeting specific outcomes and having particular benchmarks that you've got to meet, what you're yeah. saying is that sometimes those things don't happen day to day, but every yeah. now and then you get a glimmer of hope. That's, that is true. And, um, I, th- I think you need to count what is countable. You know, you need to measure what can be measured. But, but the turnaround in a human life uh, is, is something that I think you can't quantify. Um, and in, we spend our lives, a lot of us in this world, so fixated on outcomes that we shut ourselves off to the possibility of that miracle because um, we're just turning wheels. We're just treating people as if they're problems to be solved. And you know what? Whatever we do that, there will be no transformation because a person is not a problem to be solved. 
they're a person to be met. I, I always say if somebody walks out of our place feeling met rather than worked on, then we've had a very good day. We started off talking about unconditional love, the way that that looks in practice. You've written a book, Graham, called Love Over Hate, Finding Life by the Wayside. Uh, It is a book, obviously, the the title, Love Over Hate. It is about love. It's Mm. about Christian love. Mm. And I guess it's about the particular temperament that needs to be nurtured and developed in the life of a Christian to be Mm. able to love people who are typically unlovely. They're just people, you know. I I think the only way you can hate someone is to take a picture, take a snapshot, and call it the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. um, if if you're prepared to see the larger picture, it, loving them becomes easy, easier. Um, so I'm not saying there's, it's always easy. In fact, there's a certain amount of embracing cost. You know, the the cost of love is sorrow, really. Um, when you see new parents have a baby, what that new baby brings is mostly a bunch of inconvenience. You know, yep. the baby's born through pain, and everything leaks, and it cries all night. and And these people embrace this cost willingly. Why? Because that's what love does. Um, and it's it's much the same for us, really. If you can see the wider picture the cost of what we do is quite embraceable and well worth it. And we see some amazing transformations. You've got a lot of people working with you there at the Wayside Chapel. And uh, some of those people obviously have the same sort of temperament that you do. Uh, uh, When you're dealing with people who, as you say, are often uh, an inconvenience or people who are suffering crisis, people are going through all sorts of things and causing all sorts of grief, there must be something that happens that causes that love to continue to just uh, uh, emanate out of that Christian volunteer base and those staff that you've got working there, uh, there must be something that just uh, causes people to continue to embrace uh, those uh, people with mental health issues. Well, it, it, it's a remarkable thing, but I, and there are several ways of talking about it, but the way I would most often use, um, especially if I'm talking not to a Christian audience, I would say, it's, there's very good news in realising that the uh, people are people to be met, not problems to be solved. We live and we breathe oxygen that's pragmatic, and we immediately, even amongst friends, don't worry about problem people, even amongst friends, we quickly meet, we quickly work out what's the problem and how do we fix it. Someone says, I'm not feeling well, and we go straight into, who's your doctor, you know, what tablets are you taking? My auntie had those symptoms and you know she got over it. And, and and we're just treating one another as problems to be solved all the time. And and when you do that, even from a good heart, there's a push away in it. People are left more lonely. Uh, and and so, you know, they, we need a little bit of a revolution. And what I've got at Wayside is 500 volunteers and 36 staff, uh, not all of them Christian, but uh, all of them for gold. And a little bit like... When Jesus was teaching the the Jews how to be a good Jew, he said, once upon a time there was a man who fell amongst thieves. And eventually the hero of the story was a Samaritan. Well, the hearers of Jesus' story would have been horrified because a Samaritan didn't believe the right stuff. And they knew it. That guy believed the wrong stuff. And at least they were agreed on that. But Jesus said, well, if you want to be a good Jew, uh, take a lesson from this fellow. 
I would say the same. If you want to be a good Christian, come and watch a few, what a few of these atheists can do because mm. they're showing us how to do it. And is there room for a few more volunteers there at the Wayside Chapel? Is there a plan for expansion into the future of bringing more well, people in to care for those who, who need that love and care? We have a, we have a fairly constant turnover of volunteers. We need 500 active volunteers at any time. And we never have much trouble getting them. That's an interesting thing. Um, there's always people, good people, uh, willing to give their time. Um, and the staff are, in my view, just champions. Um, but yes, there's room. And, and we constantly change what we're doing. I currently want to, you know, I have all sorts of plans to do wondrous things. And um, wondrous things have happened in this last 10 years. So. I guess it'll just keep going, um, and and what we've got to show for it, our greatest trophies are not measured in terms of buildings built or dollars brought in, but in lives transformed. And uh, when I say transformed, I mean as dramatic as anything you'd read in the Book of Acts. Are there those that you can point to, Graham, who have come through the front door in all sorts of distress? Uh, yeah. that you have seen through a process of love and unconditional yeah. love and care, that they've come through and got their lives together? Absolutely. It, it happens over and over. There's a fellow who's currently a volunteer. He's got a good job now, um, but he was a drunk. He was the kind of drunk that was unconscious on the footpath all the time. You'd step over him on the way to work and there'd be a river of urine running down the gutter. He was that kind of drunk. And when he woke up, he he was a violent drunk. So um, he said to me once, I don't know how many thumbs I broke when I was on the street. <laughs> but that fellow uh, is today uh, sober. He hasn't had a drink in uh, about two years. Um, he's reconciled with his daughters. He's got a very good job, flying all around the country all the time, teaching. Um, and uh, he's doing great. Another fellow walked in one day who'd been sleeping rough in Katoomba and I suppose you know Katoomba's in the mountains and it's a terrible place to sleep rough at any time, but this was in winter. He walked into Wayside looking like roadkill and he started to share his story with me little bit by little bit and I didn't see the significance of what he was telling me and it was a long time later that I worked out he was telling this for the first time. But he gave me his story in little chunks, little bit by little bit, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the very quick version of it, and that is his very first memory was being called into a room by his father. He walked into the room, and his father uh, had a gun between his legs and under his chin, and he said, I love you, Michael, and pulled the trigger. That's his first memory. Within 18 months of that, his mum committed suicide, not in his presence. He was then given to a natural auntie and uncle, both of whom uh, died of natural causes before the end of his primary school. Now, you know, we all sometimes assume there's level playing fields and it's rubbish. That was this man's childhood, and he spent his lifetime, because he wasn't lazy, going into a job, and as soon as people liked him, he, he left. He, he, he did that over and over again. He was a champion at sabotaging his own chances because as soon as people liked him he pulled out and I think in some ways what he was doing was pulling the rug from underneath it before you had a chance to do it well that man today is married he's helping to raise 
kids. He's got a job. He's got a good job that he's held now for three or four years, which is just massive news. Um, he's, um, he's And every time I see him, he says to me, Graham, it's all about grace. <laughs> well, Graham, I just want to honour you because you're doing a fabulous work there. And uh, it is unconditional love, uh, outworked in practice, uh, coming from the Christian heartbeat. And I know that there'll be listeners who might like to get a hold of your book, Love Over Hate, Finding Life by the Wayside. And there's a link there where people can buy uh, that book on your website for the Wayside Chapel. And Graham Long is the CEO of the Wayside Chapel in Sydney. And Graham, just a pleasure talking. Thanks so much uh, for talking about these things with us today on 2020. It's a pleasure. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.